Hey, great podcast today. We have Andrew Cuomo's new poll numbers. They're they're 38 percent of the public now thinks he's doing a great job. It's basically half of his approval during the uh, media glorification of not enough people read his book. No, that's it. Not enough people read his <laughs> book. Point. We also have Justin Haskins uh, joining us because we have a very important show tonight at 9 o'clock. That's Wednesday night special, 9 p.m. live on Blaze TV, and it goes into the Great Reset. And Stu asked Justin to dumb it down just a little bit <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, it's hard to understand. And dumb it down for the Andrew Cuomo's of the world that might be listening. You can never, you can never get that low. <laughs> you never, I still don't die. I get it. But if you're a hot chick, eh? Chicky Booze can keep my attention. Uh, we should point out, we just learned Justin Haskins, owner of a AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com mug. <laughs> proud owner. <laughs> proud, proud owner. You don't want to miss today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Texas should be ashamed of itself, quite honestly, the way it has handled COVID. Uh, you know, Governor Abbott had the chance to be, you know, Christy Nome or or uh, DeSantis, and this is, I, I, you know, this is everybody's take around here. I don't, I don't understand because we're Texans. But like you haven't fully embraced the Texas. Spirit. I freaking love Texas and I never want to leave it. Yeah, frankly. Uh, so I, 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 I you're but like I guess the, this uh, understanding the criticism, I think it's mainly just mask mandate as opposed to no mask mandate. Right. Like that's the, yeah, that's the seems yeah. to be the crux of this completely, which, again, I agree. I agree with the criticism. I, it seems to make no sense or difference, frankly. I mean, I was in Florida where there's no mask mandate. And it was exactly the same as life here. Right. Exactly the same. Exactly made, right. But like pragmatically, no, it no, no. did not affect life that much. Exactly right. So I agree with you. Yeah. They shouldn't have had the mandate. You make the choice. Correct. What, 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 yeah, what happened yesterday that really hacked me off uh, is, and we'll play the audio later on in the program. Let me know when you get this clip. We've got the whole thing except this one part that was just like nuclear explosion in my head and that was texans now are uh they're prepared to be able to deal with this on their own yeah yeah i think that is on what was Excuse on the show on S- uh, you have that stu does america last night that clip was pulled for Studios america last night um we can pull that one but yeah no he, he, oh you've got, he it? got here, it here play, okay, yeah, here play. Go. Here last march mm-hmm. most texans had no clue about the precautions needed to avoid covid now Texans have mastered the daily habits to avoid getting COVID. That's, oh, that's uh, that is uh, big brother. You would not say, first of all, that Texans would be any different than the rest of the country. No, right? in the middle beginning of this, of course, no one knew what they were doing. I mean, it would be yeah, all, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is explain and then say you should do this. To frank- and we would have. And we should frankly note that many of the scientists didn't get no all the things we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, right. You know, right. But yeah, like, yeah, because at the part, he also went on to say, basically, like, we are now at the point where the, the state mandate is no longer needed. And that, that hit me as well as like, come on, the state mandate was never needed. Um, but I don't think it had much of an effect. I mean, I don't think it, I, Texans did what they did. And, you know, Texans still here's the difference. Here's the difference. Talking to a friend uh, last night that just had uh, like a family reunion and they all got together. Some of them were from New York. Some of them were from uh, California. 
and uh, some of them from Texas, and they all got together, and they said that the the people from California were almost uh, they were socially backwards. Yeah, they, totally. They 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 couldn't function around people, and the, it's you know, weird. It was like the, it was like when they opened up te- restaurants in May here. Uh, I remember going out the first time and it was weird. It felt weird walking into a restaurant with other people eating indoors in May of 2020. <laughs> now it's March of 2021. It no longer feels weird at all. I do it all the time. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time here in Texas. But like, you're right. These places that have been shut down, they've lost the, the they ability lost the to ability. interact. Right. It's and, bizarre. And th- there are two nations now. Those who yeah. are absolutely afraid, terrified, don't know how to interact with people. And those who are like, dude, it's okay. It's okay. No, 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 put on your mask. I mean, it is, it's the tale of two countries. It's weird. And this would be my argument, I think, uh, in favor of Greg Abbott. And again, I, I don't think he's handled this perfectly. I don't think anybody has, frankly. But like... DeSantis has done a pretty good job. A pretty good job. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think DeSantis has done a pretty good job. But really, the difference between DeSantis and and Abbott is the state mask mandate. And again, I was in both states and there's no difference in life. But it's not that. It's It's just it's it's, trust the people to do the right thing. I think the difference is basically masks became this dumb cultural divider. Yes. And and it will never be anything other than that. So that's why people are affected by it. But but I just step back for a second. You just described two nations. Right. Two nations, one where people are freaked out to go outside. They're 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 all Karens and living in their Karen lives and a freedom country. Right. Where people yeah. are much more free. You definitely put Texas in that category. You can't put it in the, no, I, in the Karen. I know. Category. I just am upset that Texas should lead the way. Texas is Texas. Yeah. We Texas should lead the way on freedom. And you'd say that they did not. And I think that that's right. probably it's fair. They're one of the earliest ones reopening. I mean, but they are not as they did not go. They're and one of the first states to open up at, restaurants. Is it, they're well, one of the first states to open up businesses to 50 and 75 yeah. percent. And now they're one of the first states to make a big announcement about 100. Now, you could fairly say places like South Dakota and even places like Georgia and, and Florida have been they had less restrictions or removed them earlier. And I think that's true. And there's a I think there's a lot of political calculation behind the big splashy announcement from Texas yesterday. I mean, it's not. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot in there. But again, like there are pl- it's, it's hard you to understand. think it had anything to do with the mess up of uh, the state with the, <laughs> the electricity. And I'd uh, say there's a dash of holy crap. The whole power outage. We were four minutes away from losing power for months in Texas. <laughs> right. There's a dash of that. Yeah. And there's a dash of isn't 2022 and 2024. Aren't they both around the corner? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're all coming up, right? Right. There's okay. a little bit of that in there. Yeah, okay. But again, uh, you know, leaning toward freedom is an important thing. I would quibble with many of the details as the way, not only the way uh, Texas handled it, but Florida as well. There's parts of Florida's reaction I didn't like Got either. It. But like, I think, you know, leaning towards freedom and and leaning towards lockdown, it's a massive damn uh, difference in people's lives. And, and the biggest one, you probably see it with schools where, you know, these kids are now going for a full year in, in New York and California of not going to school where, you know, my kid was in school. Uh, full time in person august 13th 
and they have had zero days off for COVID since, with the exception of when we actually got it. <laughs> so I should point that out. Uh, we did quarantine for a week or so there. But I mean, there, this can- school hasn't been canceled since it started. That is not the, the experience of most of the nation. And I do think it is important to understand that. Well, uh, whatever. Um, I, <laughs> I good, just could come back. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I just it's all blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah to me because it's it, it is it, you ask people to do the right thing mm-hmm. and say, look, this is what you need to do. And then they do it. Yeah. Uh, and and if right they do don't it. do it, they don't do it. Mm-hmm. it. It is in a free country. Well, I can't say we're a free country anymore. We're now banning books. We're, we banned Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it's true. Uh, uh, so it, to me, it's, it's like this idea of like a speed limit. Right. The speed limit functionally exists. <laughs> right. Uh, and people actually do get fined for that. I don't think anyone, li- I think literally zero people in the entire state of Texas were fined at the state level for the mask mandate. I could be wrong on that, but I believe the number is zero. I don't think they enforced it at all. I think it was just words. And so in a way, like you think of like a speed limit where like no one pays attention to it. Everyone goes by it, but they don't triple it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's the idea of the mask mandate. Again, you walk around these stores all the time in Texas and, you know, it's a lot higher in mask mandate, mask usage than, I mean, really the split isn't that wide. But like if you go New York, it's going to be 100% in every place you go into. Here, it's like maybe 80, right? But but still, you go to Florida, it's like 75. Yeah, you, I mean, it's, it's look, just, if, if companies want to continue the mask mandate, they can do that. And they you will. Know, uh, Toyota says they're not going to do it. Fine. Right. That's fine. It's going to keep going. You know, everybody has a right to do what they feel is the right thing. You own a company. I will tell you, I own the Mercury Studios and Mercury Studios open for business next Wednesday. When the state lifts the mandate, then I am opening for business. And I'm only doing that because I have tenants in the building and some tenants are very, very freaked out. Some tenants are not freaked out. Some people in each company is freaked out. There's some people are not. Though. You, you never no, know. No, no. Yeah. And I, so I am going by the legal standard because yes. I'm not going to get sued for it. Right. So I, I want to be a good landlord and I'm not going to get sued for it. So if people were freaked out, that's totally fine. I completely understand that. But the mandate is over and I'm opening the frickin doors. The, uh, you know, we don't have Oompa Loompas here. The chocolate factory needs to open up again. I think a family of them did move back in the, in the back corner. <laughs> yeah. I saw something going there on. Is, it there smells is. like chocolate. Right. I don't know what's going on. Back there. there is that possibility. <laughs> yes. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Matt Schlapp, the chairman of the American Conservative Union, is joining us now. Uh, Matt, this has been one of the most ridiculous things I have ever seen. And, and, And while it's laughable, it is extraordinarily dangerous of what happened to CPAC this weekend. Yeah, Glenn, thanks for having me on. Uh, and thanks for using your your uh, immense gifts to try to figure out the story here. Because, you know, we CPAC is uh, an amazing thing to put on. Someone just told me that if we uh, had been an advertiser in the Super Bowl, 
uh, we would have been number two uh, because it just gets so much attention. But it gets good attention and bad attention, right? It's mm-hmm. a conference unlike anything on the globe where conservatives come together. Liberals don't have anything like it except for the daily news right. on television. Right. And, uh, and so they, what they do is they try to do everything possible to just, you know, slime us, to stop us, to distract us. And we, every time we walk into this, we say anything could come our way. We have to be open and ready. But my, in my wildest dreams, I never thought this would come our way. So here's what happened. Um, yesterday, Stu said to me, is there a 1% chance that somebody intentionally sabotaged CPAC? And I thought to myself, yeah, there's a 1% chance. Let's see who designed the stage. Well, in our research, uh, we found that Design Foundry designed your stage. And I contacted you. Is that who designed your stage? They've been partners for how long? Uh, several years, and they do you know what, what is excellent work, and they work for a lot of you know companies and liberal sure. organizations, and you know they're right. a group of uh, talented artists. So we sent them uh, an email, tried to contact them, and then we sent them an email yesterday afternoon, uh, early in the afternoon, and said, "Can you please explain the design process uh, for the claim that it?" You know, some people claim that it was intentionally designed with Nazi symbolism in mind. Was that an unfortunate coincidence or did a rogue employee from Design Foundry throw the designs? Some have speculated that it's possible that someone at Design Foundry was intentionally trying to sabotage the CPAC reputation. We, however, would like to give both your company and CPAC the benefit of the doubt, as we believe most Americans are not even familiar with this obscure Nazi symbolism. If this is an unfortunate coincidence, we'd like to hear from you directly. We're going to report on a provided statement from you or Design Factory at large for Glenn's uh, radio program tomorrow. You have a 7 a.m. Eastern deadline. Uh, They did last night issue this statement to us. They said, um, we were retained by the American Conservative Union Foundation to design the stage for this year's CPAC conference as part of our working agreement. The climate, the client provided our team with feedback, revisions, and final approval on all aspects of deliverables outlined in the contract, including stage design. The approved stage design was intended to provide the best use of space given the constraints of the ballroom and social distancing requirements. The uh, iterative design process included review and input from CPAC, the hosting event space, other vendors and county officials. We had no idea that the design resembled any symbol, nor was there any intention to create something that did. We are saddened and horrified at the accusations that this was a deliberate act. Design Foundry denounces all hate speech and acts of racism, prejudice, or bigotry in all forms. The evolution of the stage design renderings can be found here with relevant timestamps. So they provided a, a, a Google Drive of all of the renderings. How did this come down? How Did you guys at any point say, well, that's not quite Nazi enough? Or how did this happen? Yeah. No, and, and within the documents, it says that they actually retain ownership of the design. It's, it's 100% their design. Now, of course, it's collaborative because we're paying the bills and the stage has to work well. I mean, one of the things we've done, and Glenn, you've been on that stage so many times, yep. is to try to demystify the stage, bring it to the people, let people sit around the stage uh, and not make it so formalized. And just because of the way this room was, 
this design was the best one that this company came up with. I mean, we're not artists. We're other things, right? We have other talents. And uh, so, um, you know, I understand the reason why everyone's so quiet, Glenn, is because one of the things that cancel culture does is they slime you with a, an unjust charge or name and everybody runs for the tall grass. Everybody runs. For well, the wait tall a minute, grass. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you go there, let me ask you, this yep. is a partner of many years of yours. Um, yep. If I did something on stage and I you know, was a partner with you and you had asked me to you know, do work for you, I would immediately step to the, you wouldn't even have to call me. I would say, no, 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 that's on us. We did it, and that was not the intention. Um, but I would expect that you would call. Why didn't you call Design Foundry right away and say, hey, this is your design? Make a statement. Not only did, not only did we not call them right away, they were, I believe, right there because they helped with every aspect of the stage. I believe there was somebody either on site or you know in constant communication. So... Um, uh, you know, the, the, that, those conversations happened immediately. Like, what is this? You know, my last name is Schlapp. I've never heard of this Nazi sign. I mean, this really hit me as a complete surprise. We have a young man working for us who studied anti-Semitism in college. And he was like, I don't understand what they're saying the symbol is. So it's not like it was a well-recognized thing. Now, is it possible that somebody, you know, in this process was, uh, trying to be very clever and set us up from a PR standpoint, you know, I guess we'll learn more as the days go by. So, but, but wait, you did, you did say, Hey, what's the deal? And did you ask them to come out? Because it wasn't until last night that they came out and said, of course you did. Of course we did. So why would a good partner, all of our partners, why would a good partner do that to you? Because, uh, well, first of all, uh, as I said, everybody runs for the tall grass, right? Maybe people don't have courage. Maybe people don't have integrity. Um, you know, uh, that's clearly a part of this, where uh, both the Hyatt and this firm looked to CPAC and said, look, hands off, we have nothing to do with this stage. That's outrageous. This whole process takes months. Glenn, you do these huge productions. I do. This whole process takes months. You yep. go back and forth and back and forth. You have to hire all the talent because we can't miss our deadlines because thousands of people and all the press is going to be there assembled. Everybody saw this. Everybody had to figure out how to construct this. Everybody had eyes on it from every angle. Nobody in that process ever raised their hand and said, oh, you know, I took a... I took a European history class and I noticed dot, 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 nobody, because it wasn't something uh, that somebody would recognize. Said, no, yeah, I know. No, it's a rate. That's so, why it's so shocking. Tell me, I was very disappointed with the Hyatt. The Hyatt first defended you. Did the Hyatt know that this stage uh, was, was not of your doing, but of this design firm's doing? Yes, because the, the, the design firm, the hotel, and CPAC work collaboratively to be able to construct it. You have to actually construct the thing. And the hotel has to agree with who's going to do that work. Everyone has to understand it's got to meet a certain bid. So what our two partners did to us is basically, you know, point the other way and say, I'm not sure what this is, but go talk to CPAC. Now, we're fine with taking the hits. We always take the hits. It's part of being a prominent conservative group, you're going to take the hits. 
but we're not going to let people lie. And we're not going to let people, uh, you know, the underlying, the most important thing here, Glenn, is would we somehow think it'd be uh, amusing or funny to have anything associated with fascism or Nazism associated with the conference? And of course, the conference does exactly the opposite. So if we want to make uh, if we want to expel bigotry from our society, including anti-Semitism, we did we do just the opposite at that conference to, to being anti-Semitic. But they don't care about that. They wanted to catch us. You know, in this. you know that I have a good relationship with um, the state of Israel and Jewish organizations. Yeah, you you provide um, service for Jewish organizations. There's a big conservative Jewish organization that every time I'm at CPAC, I attend on the Sabbath. I go and I, I speak yeah, to them. Shabbat dinner. Yes. Yep. And it's a, it's a big deal. What kind of anti-Semites would have a Shabbat dinner? For the love of Pete, it's ridiculous. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Justin Haskins is uh, with us. He's the editorial director of the Heartland Institute, editor of editor in chief of StoppingSocialism.com, uh, and uh, the co-author of a brand new book that will be coming out on the Great Reset. And this has been a hard book to get our arms around because it's so, hard. It, it, it's so massive. And we're finding new things every single day. Yeah. Well, that last point, I mean, every every day. Every day something new is happening. This is, and, and I think what we're learning as we do more research into the great, which is groundbreaking stuff. I mean, what we're doing on this, nobody else is doing this. Nobody. is. This has been going on for a long, long, long time. Long time. Yeah. And we're now starting to see and uncover things from years ago that even people like you were missing. Right. I know. The Paris Accords. Yeah. We're going to sh- show something tonight on TV. We'll show you footage I saw back then. I never put any of it together. Yeah. Uh, and it's John Kerry, the Paris Accords, and and what really happened, why the Paris Accords were so important. It has very little, if anything, to do with climate change. Right. It has everything to do with control and finance. That's exactly right. And, and the thing about the, the Paris Climate Agreement, I remember even at the time, it was sort of like, well, wait a minute. Does this thing have any teeth at all? Like, what is this thing? It's not even ratified by the Senate. I mean, it, does it even really matter? It it mattered so much more than I ever thought because of all of the other things related to banking give, and finance. Just give a couple of highlights of what we're going to hit tonight. Well, I, I, what we're going to see beyond any doubt, and, and I've seen the notes for tonight's show, absolutely incredible. You cannot miss this episode tonight. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible stuff. But what we're going to see is that for years now, the groundwork has been laid in banking and finance to impose a transition to green energy as part of this massive multi-billion, multi-trillion dollar yeah. uh, uh, con, this gigantic con where all of these people, all these global players are going to get filthy rich and the regular person is going to end up getting screwed, all in the name of saving the earth from this supposedly existential climate change now, crisis. I want you to understand that the Great Reset is broken up into three parts. E, environment. S, social justice. G, government regulations. And you'll get an ESG score. And that's already happened. We'll explain all of this tonight. But it is 
It is a way to shut you down if you're politically incorrect. As you'll see tonight, uh, there was an Obama program that uh, that went through that was part of the, you know, the beginnings, really, of the the, uh, Paris climate uh, deal that was is truly frightening. Yeah. Where it was its intent was to put companies out of business that disagreed with it. Nobody's. Nobody that I know of has ever talked about it. We have all of the documents. We have everything to show you what was going on. And it's this system now in the Great Reset. When you talk about the Great Reset, um, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Justin. uh, This just may be my (laughs) conspiracy theory. But occasionally, occasionally, Glenn Beck tends to get like, 10 steps ahead of where the audience is on their understanding whoa, whoa, whoa. of all of these Wait things. Glenn Beck? Yeah, I know. <laughs> this doesn't sound it like Glenn right. Beck. It doesn't. It, I, right. It's really like a crazy accusation, but just let's pretend for a moment it's 100% accurate. Uh, can you tell, if people don't know, maybe they've heard the term The Great Reset, maybe right. they've heard Glenn talk about it here and there. Can you take give, give people a one-on-one on what it actually is? Right. So, so in its most basic form, I believe The Great Reset has two primary components, okay? You have this massive push for big, gigantic social programs, all the things that you hear uh, far left people talk about all the time there's federal jobs guarantee type stuff in there um there's you know the green new deal is obviously a part of this there's all sorts of things called for universal social protection which is another way of saying big government programs uh wealth redistribution all of that stuff is in it that's one part of it but that's not really the most important part of it the most important part of it is that they're going to radically transform the entire global economy and society by extension through these things called ESG standards. Let me give you let me let me break that down. Let me just explain Operation Choke Point. I'm going to explain this tonight, but let me give you a little bit of it. Operation Choke Point was put in by the Obama administration in 2013 we now know this to be an absolute fact it was for the fdic and i'm quoting to freeze politically disfavored businesses out of the financial system end quote okay Mm. choke them off Mm. operation choke point choke them off so if you are quoting again politically disfavored business the banks would stop doing business with you. Mm. So that's what this is about. That's how they control you. And they get away with it because these are private banks doing it. Right. This is not a government program, right? In theory. I know you're it's saying that's part of it, but like partnership, this, this yes. part of it is pri- our private businesses who are coming up with this ESG formula and then companies that do business that do not score well on this, you know, social credit scale, they will have no opportunity to work with big banks or uh, any of these businesses that are in this program. Is that the, the way to think about the, this? There, there's definitely that's a big part of it. But there's also a push to try to make regulatory changes that tie ESG standards into all sorts of other things. For example, there was a very large investment group. Uh, I believe it was this this past year in 2020 that was calling for the SEC to impose regulations related to ESG. 
And what they want to do is keep, uh, there's a lot of, there's a huge movement of these left-wing investors that want to keep companies that are not woke, that don't have high ESG scores off of stock exchanges. Yep. And in the mm-hmm. long run, that's absolutely a core part of this. That's an easy regulatory change to make for the SEC to say, oh, well, we're only going to have, you know, these high ESG good companies in right. the stock exchange. And this exchange. is a public movement. All of these companies are in it. I mean, you know, when you've got Exxon and Exxon announced this week, they're part of this. Uh, when you got companies like Exxon, you would say to yourself, why would they do something that would hurt them? Why would they do something to get involved where they're changing capitalism. And even if you were able to stop it at the SEC level, the New York Stock Exchange could just do it. Yes. Right. Right. The New York Stock yes. Exchange could just say, we only are trading with companies yes. with these good scores because we believe in this so much. It's good for humanity. Exactly. Well, we're going to show you some documentation tonight from Merrill Lynch where uh, somebody who works is yep. working as a researcher. That's right. Uh, went to their Merrill Lynch you know, 401k page just to check things out. Yep. And what did he find? He found that he had his very own special ESG score. He has himself has been given an ESG score based on his investments in all three Mm -hmm. categories, the E, the S and the G. And then he has an overall score and it's not very good. He didn't do very well. (laughs) It's 4.6. He's a degenerate. It's 4.6. So that is like having out of 10. That's like that's like having a three for your credit score. Who's going to give you any kind of loans if you have a three for your credit score? This is going to be more important than anything else. So and what it's doing right now is just saying it. They're now just suggesting, hey, you should pay attention to things, the companies that are are doing great things. There's no teeth to it yet. This came out in 2018. Merrill Lynch put this in Um, and it's all the framework. It just needs the teeth to be turned on. And all that is is right now they're saying. Look, you've got a score of 4.7. Um, that's because you're not looking at companies to see the whole stakeholder idea where these companies have a responsibility to do good, not just for their shareholders, because that kind of capitalism is over. So every company that's being traded, we've scored with their ESG, which means those companies are required now to come up with all of this paperwork and all this bull crap. So now the cost of overhead is enormous. Imagine what it will be for you and your restaurant. So they have to come up with these things so then they can get a score for the stock exchange and Merrill Lynch can say, okay, that company has an eight. Well, I want to invest in this company. It's a gun company. Ooh, they've got a ESG score of two. Well, I don't care because I believe that's going to go up doesn't matter you're not doing it for that anymore you're not doing it to make money you're doing it for the overall good of society this is the end of capitalism that's right and some of these esg funds that they have they already have esg funds like index funds similar to you know these massive index funds that you you have for other that we've been around forever and they have excluded businesses related to guns and all sorts of other things sure. already from that automatically it doesn't matter how good you you could be running a, you know your uh, gun store on solar panels right doesn't matter and you the idea guns. is that you are when you put teeth to this you then you have a completely bogus market because you're looking at a score 
for how politically correct is this person or this company. If they're politically correct, the teeth tell all the lower investors, you're going to invest in these companies, not these companies, because it doesn't matter that these companies might be worth more. We think the investment should go to these companies because they're socially woke. When that happens, the stock market means nothing, nothing, because it is basically at the barrel of a gun. The government and the big businesses have decided who's going to get the money. Right. And have you noticed that when it comes to the environment, we're no longer hearing about a climate, uh, uh, a climate trading board? That we're no longer looking at carbon offsets and, and climate uh, offsets that you can sell like a stock exchange, that you can buy and sell these carbon credits. That went away because companies were losing. Companies, giant corporations would lose lots of money on that. And who would get rich? The government. So this is a way for the government and businesses to get rich. So now we don't need the carbon offsets. Yeah. We're we're forcing people to funnel their money into these companies because they're going to be great for the environment, whether they are or not, doesn't matter. Funnel their money right into here because these are woke companies. So the companies win. Anyone who stood against the the climate, uh, you know, exchange board, they're in there, too. Because they can make money now. Without buying and selling credits. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we know this is going to happen. We know it's going to happen. The whole thing is rigged. It's all set up. We know it's going to happen because there are there's this group, Principles for Responsible Investment, came out of the United Nations, tied to the, all the things you're going to be talking about tonight uh, on the special. And they, together... Uh, if you add up all the assets that these people who have voluntarily signed on to this group to agree to invest in ESG standards, Buckle more up. than a hundred trillion dollars in assets. That's uh, twice all of the money, printed money on earth. More than a hundred trillion dollars. I had to check it five times <laughs> because I thought this can't possibly be right. The UN itself says that these are these are the numbers more than a hundred trillion dollars controlled by these three thousand investors who have agreed to be part of this and this group started in 2006 with a mm-hmm. hundred people Do you? and so they've been building this movement so it's 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 a done deal there's no way if you are part of this group with a hundred trillion dollars that you're going to put this on a you're going to gamble it. Well, maybe this will work. Maybe it won't. No chance. You know how this all ends. That's the only way you bet that kind of money. This thing is completely rigged. It's a giant con. And the mm. only way to beat it is locally. The only way to beat it is locally. You have got to get your town out of the UN sustainable bullcrap. You need to get out of any Agenda 2030, Agenda 21. Uh, any of this stuff related to the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, and now our own country, you must be able to stand on your own. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why I keep saying you've got to protect all of your assets. I, I will tell you that I've, I have not done this until last week. I called my financial advisors who are Jewish, and I said to them, I know at times you think I'm crazy. But I need you to start thinking like those who came before us in the 1930s. 
They knew exactly what that meant. Mm. You have to start thinking differently because there is a global system that is coming and it's going to choke the snot out of anyone who stands against it. We're with uh, Justin Haskins, uh, editorial director of the Heartland Institute and also the co-author of a book on the Great Reset uh, that I'll be putting out here uh, shortly. We're, you know what? We had a really difficult time because when we started the book, I was convinced this was all about socialism. And the one thing I couldn't connect the dots on was why would these companies want to destroy um capitalism because it made them rich yeah and i couldn't i i had theories you had theories but we couldn't really close that gap yep we know now it's really not socialism that that's a red herring yes that they i believe the global powers uh, uh, that are involved in this are using the socialists to uh to say oh yeah that's where we're going that's where we're going (laughs) i mean it's not where they're going (laughs) 